welcome back to the Like David Project podcast. So glad you are joining us today. We have a good show for you. It's actually getting better. I think this is the best one yet. So it's just become real easy for me, Matt, and James to, my name's Jonathan, for us to talk about issues and be comfortable. And when you get comfortable, I think you're more yourself. And so we're all experiencing that. Be just being more comfortable and in turn the podcasts are getting better. This is actually, you know, this this podcast when we finished, I really thought, wow, this one, this one's going to be good. So I'm excited to hear to hear what you guys think about it and excited for you guys to hear it. What we did talk about today, if you didn't read the little synopsis when you downloaded it, we talked about spiritual warfare. Uh, Sunday in church, there was kind of a mention of spiritual warfare maybe taking place in our church and it was uh we prayed over it and whatnot but through that i had a lot of questions i talked to a lot of people and a lot of people had questions as well what is spiritual warfare does it when you when you're experiencing spiritual warfare does it mean you're doing something wrong does it mean you're doing something right does it mean good is it a good thing is it a bad thing well those are the kind of questions that I brought Matt and James, and they did an awesome job answering them. Uh, very, very precise and loving, and it was just a really... I'm excited for you guys to hear it. And we actually... We had a lot of fun recording this one, and we it, it, it time flew. And, you know, when time flies, it means you're having fun. So we were having fun. Um, but other than that, I, I, we can get right into it. I did want to talk about one thing real quick. Next week's podcast, I really want to have some questions for Matt and James. And in order to have questions, I really want you guys to, to chime in and provide some questions. So and there's not a, lot, a whole lot of people listening right now. On Facebook, we have seven likes. I know there's a little bit more than that, but we have seven likes. Hopefully this week we can get to double digits. Double digits are important. But right now we've got seven. So... If if you have a question, if half those people come up with a question, say there's 10 people listening, I know there's more, but say there's only 10, we really just need five questions. So, And, and since there's not a lot of people asking, if you ask, I guarantee it's probably going to get on the show. So uh, please think of anything you, you, you want to ask about theology, about God, about the Bible. And, it, I mean, it could even be about science or history, I mean, really anything, and, and I can bring it to James and, and Matt, and I'm sure you'll enjoy the answer that you get. Also, like always, I kind of pushed it pretty hard last time, get involved on the website, chime in. I really appreciate those that are doing that. Um, so, but other than that, that's really all I have, and I also wanted to put a feeler out there for, we. right now it's me. Matt and James that are talking, but I really want to bring in other people. So, uh, just kind of fair warning. If you know anybody that's out there that wants to be on the podcast or just wants to sit in on the discussion, you don't have to be, I mean, we don't have to make it a big deal and have you as a guest. We can just bring you in, introduce you and then get your point of view. Um, so if you, if you'd like to sit with us, we'd love to have you. If you know somebody that would want to be a guest or you just have a good idea for the show, uh, hit hit me up on the website. The website again is the Like David Project, all one word: T H E L I K E D A V I D P R O G E C T. 
site. I'm not spelling anymore, .com. Uh, we put it out there in a lot of places, so I'm sure if you haven't seen it now, you'll see it soon. So, anyways, uh, to the podcast. We, like I said, we talked about spiritual warfare. This is one of the best ones we've got. So, uh, I hope you enjoy it, and I look forward to hearing from you all. Thanks. The first question we should talk about um, kind of has to do with us as a church, um, just because there's been kind of a tone of, um, and you can correct me at any time, that we're, could, could be, or the possibility that we may be under a spiritual attack or spiritual warfare, um, not necessarily that that's what it is, but it's just, you know, but it's also, uh, in our church, there's, you know, some people are, are injured, some people went to the hospital, it just has a, you know, more than the usual, uh, a lot of people have had to miss church from our church family or not, not here, um, so, you know, with that, the reaction has been, you know, let's pray, because, you know, we may be under a spiritual attack, well, that rose some questions, uh, with some people that I was talking to on what exactly, uh, does it mean to be under spiritual attack, does it, mean you're doing something right? Does it mean you're doing something wrong? Um, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What should we do? Just, I mean, there's many ways we can go and talk about it, but I think the, the, the first question would just to be, what is a spiritual attack, you know, and how do you know that you're in one or can you know that you're in one? What, uh, what, what we felt happening at the church, particularly this weekend, but for a little while now is that there there's things going on in people's lives which is taken on a case by case basis it just seems like ordinary life right. you know people get into an accident somebody uh, gets has to go to hospital somebody is unexpectedly called out to to do something um, that takes them out of the life of the church and in every single case you know there's absolutely no reason why that person can't take care of the pressing matter uh, and and skip their their attendance or, or miss a Sunday or something like that. And I have no no issue at all with somebody that needs to take some time off. But what strikes uh, us, um, particularly Jody and I, um, in leading the church, is that there seems to be a coordinated uh, effort right now. Um, and I say effort in a spiritual sense, a coordinated effort uh, um, where all of these things are happening at the same time. And that's why we've been using the language that there might be a spiritual dimension to what's going on because um, life happens to everybody, but when it happens to everybody within the space of ten days at you know the same the same time frame, it makes you think that maybe there's more to it than than just coincidence. Um, I firmly believe that that not only is there a God, but there's also a, a devil. And not only are there angels, but there are also demons that work alongside the devil to counteract um, what is done, to, to oppose and to, to fight against a move of God. Um, I think when you boldly declare the truth and, and when you, have, you experience a, a move of God and when you experience um, the Holy Spirit, there is an effort upon the, the enemy's part to try and uh, take that away from you, to try and nullify it, to try and distract you, to move you in a different direction, because you're experiencing something of the truth. Um, if you 
don't know God, if you if you don't have that truth revealed to you, then you're not a threat to our enemy. You're not um, an, a, a spiritual opponent. So I definitely believe that that when there's a spiritual attack, what what we're experiencing is that we have, we are recognizing something true from God. We're hearing God's voice. We're hearing God's direction. And therefore, we have an opponent that is trying to derail us, to distract us, move us in a different direction. Just as Jesus spoke of in the parable of the sower when he talked about the seed being sown and then um, immediately, you know, things come against that, whether it's the hard ground, um, whether it's the birds coming to steal that seed away before it can take root, or whether it's the seed grows and then the weeds choke it out. All of those things speak of opposition to try and prevent the truth from taking root in your heart. James, I see you agreeing. Do you have anything that you can add? Or <clears throat> When you talk about the concept of spiritual warfare, I know that one of the uh, Bible verses that's used to kind of undergird that concept is found in uh, Ephesians 6. And it's, it's right before the, the, the armor of God, which, you know, every... Every Sunday school teacher knows that one well, and we've learned from from being little kids about putting on our our, uh, our spiritual armor. But there's a verse in there, it's Ephesians 6, uh, <clears throat> that says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So first of all, we see that there is kind of a scheme. There is a... There is something maybe arrayed against us that is part of an overall plan. And then it goes on to say, uh, further say in verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. And one of the concepts that's often taught concerning spiritual warfare are that there are different... Uh, categories of the spiritual world that if you could see into the spirit world you'd be able to see there is uh, ruler there are rulers there are authorities that are arrayed under rulers there are powers of this dark world that are arrayed underneath them almost milit almost military language is, is used in this and this is against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms and I know that that's one of the, the verses that's used to talk about it, that there, there actually are almost like a, an army would invade a country with a plan, and there would be zones and areas and assignments and territories and those kinds of things. And there are some that believe when it comes to spiritual warfare, there are actually demonic forces that are assigned to territories and areas and people and people groups and ministries and churches. And I know that that is one of the concepts that's brought up. And I, it, to add on to that, I, I also believe that what happens in the spiritual realm determines what happens in the, in the physical realm as well. I think that that precedes, the spiritual precedes the natural. Just as we, we pray and we pray in the Spirit, and we pray for God to move, and then we get an answer to prayer. I think the same thing is at work, that when you when you feel like there is something at work in your church, 
that there is a spiritual component to it that it comes first that is influencing the physical component. Now, do we believe that with all that's going on, it's very intense. It was a very good description. Because <laughs> um, in my head, I was in the military, so I'm like picturing this huge battle going on that you can't see. Um, but doesn't God have to allow this to happen? Does God give permission for this to happen? And this is purely a question I, I don't know. You know, like I, I have no understanding of it. Does I would assume that God has to allow this to happen and to test us or what, what's your thoughts on that? You know, cause obviously God is the king, the ruler. Well, I think you could argue that God in his sovereignty would be capable of preventing all of this. He would be capable of wiping out that opposition instantaneously if he chose to. Right. Um, and I don't deny that God would be capable of doing that, but I also see that he does not choose to stamp it out immediately. And I I know that there are reasons, and theologically there are reasons for that, that we have all um, fallen foul of sin in our lives, and that we are all tainted and marred by sin. Therefore, if God were to exert perfect justice, we would all be wiped out because of the sins that, that we have committed. So he chooses to work in a more systematic way to overcome that. Um, but in a, in a, in another sense, your question was, um, does God allow these attacks to come against us? Um, I think that in order to preserve our, our liberty, our free will, our our purpose, he has to allow us to experience life, uh, to go through high points and, and low points. And I also know that just as I teach my kids better when circumstances are hard or when situations are difficult, we develop more strength and more character by working through hard problems than by um, being delivered of them constantly and, and, and living in some sort of blissful ignorance of, of how hard life can be. Um, also, it can be an indication that... If you are under spiritual attack, it can be an indication that you're doing something right or maybe possibly something wrong. I'm not sure. Do you know if it can mean that? You know, does it mean you're doing something right or does it mean you're doing something wrong? Can it be either? Can it be neither? (laughs) You know, Um, and how do you know if you're doing something right or how do you know if you're doing something wrong? Because I believe, like, you know, if your church, say your church was going to experience revival, the devil would want to stop that. You know, there would be a spiritual battle prior to the, you know, in the foundation of a revival, you know, I'm just using that as an example, but I believe there would be spiritual warfare at the, at the grassroots or the foundation of a revival or a great move of God. Um, so, I mean, I definitely do think, and that would be necessarily, I don't know if you, you would define it as doing something right, but I could definitely see that. Do you think that, it could also mean doing something wrong as well. Say that, you know, but. So it's the old, uh, <clears throat> some, uh, there's an occurrence, there's a catastrophic, catastrophic event of some kind in a person's life. And so everybody says, wow, was that God or was that the devil? Right. And I think that, yes, there are decisions and things that we make that open us up to all kinds of activity that maybe we wouldn't. Uh, subject ourselves to if we were walking in God's righteousness and peace and joy and and that kind of thing. But 
I do think there are things that happen in our lives that happen because they happen. You know, it's like, okay, I go out riding my bike one day and uh, get into a bike accident and break my shoulder and leg. Was that God or the devil? True story, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just use that as an example. So, so the idea is, was that God or the devil? You know, it was just me going too fast down this hill and hitting a little patch of water. Right. But what I went through after that and the way I reacted and responded to the, to the things that came my way after that could have been used of the devil or could have been used of God, depending on which way I took it. You know, so I think that there are sometimes events and things that happen that you can't really say, was that God or was that the devil? It's our response to it that will invite the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen and to heal and, and bring abundant life. Or my responses that open up the doors for uh, the enemy, the devil, who has come to kill and steal and destroy my life through it. And again, I think it comes back to God is sovereign. He can just make sure that there's never any evil in the world. But he's chosen not to because he wants us to respond and react on a daily basis uh, to the things that come our way. Are we going to respond uh, in the spirit of Christ? Or are we going to respond in, in our flesh? Mm -hmm. Which could be kind of a test too, you know, but it builds you up. Like, I, and I've read, I'm not sure, I think it was Colossians, I'm not sure. But it says basically that God won't give us anything we can't handle. In my terms, that's what it basically said. That God won't give you anything you can't handle, you know, or He won't test you with anything that you can't, you can't take. Um, Which means that God thinks more highly of us than we do ourselves sometimes, yeah, because yeah. sometimes the things that we go through, we don't think that we're capable of, of dealing with, and yet, and yet we find ourselves able to. But even in those verses where he's talking of temptation, and he won't give us, he says, first of all, that there's no temptation but that which is common to man. In other words, we share that same, we all operate in that same arena. But he also says in there that he won't give us something that we can't handle, but he also has that clause in there about he'll, he'll make a way of escape for us. And I still think that, that it shows very clearly that choice is ours. So even though something might come my way and I could succumb to it, I, will, I would always have that opportunity to take the way of escape. But if I chose not to, 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 take the way of, to choose the way of escape, then there would be something that would overwhelm me, maybe. Yeah. James, I like how you are saying that, that, that what's important is not whether things happen to you, but how you, how you deal with that consequently. Whether you allow it to to be a moment of strengthening um, where you overcome an obstacle, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, of course, or whether you allow that obstacle to overwhelm you. Yeah. Like, let's say, for, for example, going back to the whole uh, spiritual warfare concept of principalities and powers and evil forces of doctor and, and, and evil in uh, places. Let's say, for example, we believe that and we've done our spiritual mapping, which is, you know, studying, we live in the United States and there's a certain, uh, uh, there's a certain uh, strategy against the United States that's different than in Haiti or in Europe or uh, in 
South America or whatever. And then we come to the state of Arizona, you know, and we've figured out the whole people come here and the whole rising of Phoenix and all that kind of stuff. So we figure out there's a certain strategy against people that live in this area, in this zone. And then we come down a little bit further and we say, okay, uh, we're part of Cornerstone. So there's there's this, because there's a, a plan and purpose of God for us to bring forth his kingdom here at Cornerstone, then there would be a strategy against that. Right. And then I break down even further, and it's like, well, in my own family, there would be a strategy against me that that strategy might not work for Matt's family or for your family. So it's a, it's a unique and specific strategy that, that comes, comes against me. So let's say that we believe all that and, we, and we're aware of all that. We still get to that place where we're making the decisions. Because those verses in Ephesians 6 that I was reading, uh, where it said, uh, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, etc. Right after that, the verse right after that says, therefore, in other words, because of all those things, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground after you've done everything to stand. So in other words, it's still that idea that even though all these things are in place and maybe we're aware of them or maybe we're ignorant of them, we may not have a clue that the enemy is going to try to kill my family or destroy my marriage relationship uh, or come and steal joy from my family or from our church or whatever. Maybe I'm ignorant to that, but it doesn't change the fact that it is there. Mm-hmm. And it still gives us the choice, he says, but because of those things, known or unknown, put on the armor of God so that you can take a stand. And in the end, when the day of evil comes, or when that catastrophic event, or when that temptation, or whatever it is, comes, that we'll be able to take a stand. We'll take that stand for right. him. Right, and having done all to stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having done all, which is what? Say the word of God, study the word of God, speak the word of God, pray without ceasing, mm-hmm. all the things that the Bible tells us to do. Yeah. And again, I'm reminded of the parable of the sower for the same reason that you're saying that, that there was only one area of good soil and the other areas were examples of what could happen, whether it's stony ground that you have to work to break up before you can plant or whether it's that there's something external that comes in to try and steal that word of truth away from you or whether it's something that tries to choke out that word of truth even after it has has sprung up into life Um, there's different strategies of attack yet all of them are related to did you hear god's truth are you trying to apply god's truth to your life if you are you're a greater target you're a, a greater at greater risk for spiritual warfare than someone that is ignoring and not hearing the word of God in the first place. So again, we're coming back to that question of do you experience attacks when you're under, um, uh, when you're doing something right or doing something wrong. And I think what we're trying to say without having answered that question directly is that the sort of attacks that we are talking about, they are an expected outcome of, of trying to appropriate the word of God into your life. Yeah. I think it's also careful. I think it's also important rather that we are careful when we looking when we're looking at the concept of did that happen because you were doing something right or did that happen because you were doing something wrong? It might be a wrong question. Yeah, because like for example, I actually heard a person it got it was told to me that a person said when I had broke my leg and was in the hospital and everything 
that they were wondering if there was like some kind of sin in my life. Ooh, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, all the time when something bad happens. Yeah, yeah. Or your your faith wasn't strong enough. That's the other. You you didn't pray hard enough, or didn't believe, or your faith wasn't strong enough. And I feel absolutely that's not right. Absolutely, I would agree. That is not right. It's the wrong question. And I I call BS on that. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I think that's a strategy. I think that's a strategy in the warfare that we're experiencing. That that. The devil tries to undermine us and try and get, convince us to think that we did something wrong or that God is yeah. punishing us. Yeah. Whereas the truth is, in Jesus Christ, everything is forgiven and God does not bear grudges against us because of that. Otherwise, Jesus' sacrifice wouldn't have been sufficient yeah. if, if he would still have some lingering punishment to exert upon us. Yeah. So if we throw ourselves upon his mercy, if we ask for forgiveness, he forgives us far faster and far more completely than we forgive ourselves yeah. about things or forgive yeah. others. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's... Uh, uh, Again, it's some of the stuff we've made up over the years. You know, like somehow, somehow these ideas and concepts get filtered in. And it, again, it's a strategy of the enemy. You know, back in the back in the day, we used to call it scripture twisting, where we would play a little game of we would take take a verse and just kind of twist it around, twist it around, and, and that's what that's what Satan wants to do. Mm-hmm. Scripture twisting. So it's so it's like uh, well. That happened to you because there was sin in your life, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's, the actual truth is like what Matt just talked about. The actual truth is that would make uh, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to no avail. That was really true. Yeah. Then you could almost live your life in fear, you know. And, and I and I hear not any one specific person, but I've seen people in my life that are they live their life, you know. Uh, Oh, there's sin, and, and that's the devil, that's the devil, that's the devil. Almost to a point where it's in complete fear because, you know, they've gone almost overboard into the thinking of that everything plays a part in spiritual warfare and to the point that if there is sin in their life or if they're, they're not, you know, that they're going to be in trouble of some sort, you know. So it, it, it also can, which is ironically could be the enemy you know um and which is completely ironic but well and that fear that you know maybe our prayers don't get answered because we're not righteous enough means that what we're we're trying to pray in our own power and based on our own righteousness rather than using using the righteousness of christ which is given to us um and so, yeah, there could be, I could point out a problem in our, in our thinking, but that fear that comes or that doubt that we're not capable enough means that we are not realizing who we are in Jesus Christ, how God sees us through Jesus Christ, which should transform us. It should, we should see ourselves as sons and daughters of the living God, not as someone that is unworthy or incapable of doing what God has told us over and over again to yeah. do. He wouldn't have given us, uh, he wouldn't give us, given us a mission and a purpose that was impossible to do. Right. He would have given us, he would have given us a mission and a purpose that is accomplishable on earth, in time, in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Coming back to one of your earlier questions, John, that not only 
do we need to understand that maybe the question of was it did we get it right or wrong maybe that's the the wrong question to to ask um but you also were wondering how do you know whether you are on the right track and that is an important question how do you know whether you're making the right moves or the wrong moves and and simply put i would say if if we are obedient to what god has told us to do then we're doing the right thing and as i look back on our recent history i would say that i have tried and we have tried as a church in every way that we know how and have prayerfully considered we have tried to do what god has told us to do therefore we have been obedient we've done our our part and we can't take we can't take responsibility for the success of a venture because we did it in the power of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Christ and for the glory of Jesus so therefore neither do we take the responsibility for for the failure of something because we are purely being obedient to what God has said if you can in your own life consider that did i do what god said to yeah. do then you can have confidence no matter what the outcome whether you can look at it as a success or a failure in your own eyes yeah. the purely the measure of success has to be did i was i obedient to what god said yeah this question um just in case somebody's listening and wondering kind of a two-part question one how would you what would be an indicator that there is spiritual warfare going on in your life how could you tell or can you tell you know and uh then also what would what should you do if you feel like your life is under spiritual attack or your church is under spiritual attack or your country or what you know if you if you really feel that there's something there what is the best thing to do um what is the best thing to do is to pray and to pray with other people um to 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 declare it to believe in the word of god do i think that people experience spiritual attack i think we do it all the time i think everything is spiritual i think that that god is that important that every facet of our lives is important and i don't you know as a as a christian filled with the holy spirit believing that i'm a son of god i believe that i am i am a son of god every moment of my life whether i'm sitting and watching tv or whether i'm talking to people or whether i'm performing some missions work you know playing overseas or playing the ukulele Definitely. you know i think everything playing the ukulele <laughs> everything is spiritual and i think we have to understand that 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 there is a constant spiritual struggle going on uh, around us and we either engage in it or not you know we're either aware of it or we're not and we either pray about it and believe that our prayers are effective because we pray in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit or we choose not to believe and i as we talked earlier i was reminded of the in the book of James where it says if you pray without doubting and i know people struggle over that well maybe i just doubted and i didn't believe but i i think without wanting to condemn anybody because we all struggle with with doubt you know we all we all wonder but i think that what that's getting at is you can't have you can't be double minded about it you can't say that you believe but never pray like you believe or you can you can't pray but in your heart know that you don't think that prayer is effective or it doesn't it's not important i think that's what that verse is getting at um when you pray you're praying because you believe in the power of the holy spirit to to accomplish what you're praying for i think uh a good verse uh, to answer the question uh are 
how do you know if you're under spiritual attack? I think the idea of uh, Jesus saying, I came to give you life and give it, give you life more abundant, but the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And so I think if you kind of look at things that are going on in your life, is, is what's going on trying to kill me or trying to kill an area of my life? Is it trying to destroy me or destroy my family or destroy my church or uh, kill, steal? And or is it something that's coming to come, to come and steal from? I'm be- I just feel like I'm being stolen from. You know, I've heard people that you know, have businesses and stuff say, oh my gosh, I just feel like I'm, I'm being stolen from. You know, I, right. think that, I think that those three things can become an indicator that you're under spiritual attack. Now, how you respond to it, again, like that's kind of the bottom line of all this. And that was your second question, well, what should you do? And like Matt has said already, uh, pray. Pray without ceasing. Uh, give thanks to God. Uh, check your own heart. I, I love the old uh, the verse in Psalms about, search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everla- everlasting I know that sometimes when things happen to me or around me, my first response is my human nature, my flesh wants to rise up to take care of it in a fleshly way. Whereas what God wants me to do is he wants me to humble myself before the Lord so that in due season he'll lift me up. And if I'll stop and I'll check my own heart and I'll ask ask the Holy Spirit to show me what's going on in, on in my heart, then there may be some things that God is saying, well, since this has come your, come your way, and since you're now seeking me, and all who seek me find me, I'm going to take this opportunity to show you some things that you haven't been listening to me about. <laughs> so it gives us a chance to search our heart and to try our thoughts. And did I, maybe I did kind of bring this on myself. Maybe I did open myself to, up, uh, to these things. But the Holy Spirit always wants to give us life and life to the full. So he'll always show us. If we just go to him and ask him, the Holy Spirit will always show us things that places he wants to tweak in our lives and places he wants to adjust and calibrate and, and, and fix. So we can do that. And then once he shows us, we repent, we change, we pray, we seek the Lord, we turn around and we go the opposite way. And I believe that, uh, at that point in time, things can change. Yeah. An important concept there, too, as I hinted at earlier, is once you've repented of that, once you've brought it before the Lord, He feels that the punishment for that has been paid by Jesus yes. Christ. Therefore, there is no further punishment that we have to go through on that, you know, on that point. On whatever we've asked forgiveness for, repentance for, that matter is, is then settled, I believe. If it becomes... Yes. An issue again, it's our fault, not God's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, long story short, or just to, in summary, recap. They may say long story short. But um, we shouldn't live our life in fear. And uh, when in doubt, pray. Yeah. You know? When in doubt, pray it out. Yeah. When in doubt, pray it out. When in doubt, walk it out. <laughs> But could, yeah, could I add something onto that, which I think is is important? That just it's been in the back of my mind, and I know you're trying to stop no, us here, but you can't. Okay, I'm sorry. Never mind. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. 
I know you are. <laughs> Please know that. <laughs> there is there has been a misconception taught in the church to that whether it's been expressed explicitly or implicitly that Christians don't have to struggle, that Christians don't have trials that we are more than conquerors, but I think that that verse has been twisted a little bit. No clearer than in the prosperity gospel teaching that that believes that, you know, by in faith that there would be no struggle or there would be, you know, financial blessing upon everybody. And that is simply not the way that that we should look at our lives. It's, it is, I believe, a misconception, a lie that's that's out there. And I believe it's been shaken by the recent economic troubles that we've had in America. People have realized that they made a mistake in buying into that misconception wholeheartedly. Because we're warned. We're warned that we will go through difficult things. We're warned that, that we'll be persecuted because of the name of Jesus. We're, we're warned that we will have trials and temptations in our life. And those warnings were not there um, to trick us. You know, they, they were just telling us the truth that, that we will have difficulty. And I go back to Psalm 23, um, the Lord is my shepherd. And David begins talking about laying down in green pastures and everything's great, everything's beautiful. And we all would, would love to live our lives in the green pasture. And then he says, but even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. And that's the heart that God wants us all to have. There are times when we'll be beside still waters and in green pastures, and he's with us then. And there are times we have to walk through the valley. And if it's easy to follow him in the good times, it's difficult to follow him in the hard times. But how much more important is that in our lives to demonstrate our trust, our love for Jesus, our trust in his, in his guidance in our lives, that we would be willing to go through even the difficult things, trusting that he's with us and that we have no evil to fear. You know, we can, there is, there is no evil that we should fear. There is no trial that is too great for us. Um, There is no temptation that we can't overcome because he is with me. But in those hard times, just in my life, like you said, it's difficult to follow in the hard times sometimes or can be. I feel like those are the most spiritual moments in my life or times in my life i think i felt god in my personal life more in difficult times than any other time before um and i've taken those those god moments or god experiences into the good times of my life or the easier times of my life you know and always remember that but that is absolutely true i'm thinking of uh Paul's words saying, I want to know Christ. And it's like, that's really kind of the bottom line. I mean, really, isn't that what Christianity is all about, is really getting to know Jesus Christ and, and following his footsteps. And Paul said, I want to know Christ. And you could tell he was just, the language was just, I want to really know him. I want to really know Christ. And it says, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And there, to, I've always seen that as that kind of the two sides of our life. In coming to know Christ, we come to know the power of the resurrection, which the promise of the resurrection is if the same spirit that brought Jesus Christ out of the grave is in you, 
you know, it will quicken your mortal body. And there is a power of the resurrection that we experience where we experience the power of God in our lives and moving through us, through words we say and acts that we do and things that we experience. And that's one part of it. And oh man, it's so fun when you see the power of God moving in your life or moving in your church. But then there's also the fellowship of his sufferings. That's part of knowing Christ on that level. Right. It's, it's easy to know Christ through the power of the resurrection, but it's a little bit harder to know Christ through the fellowship of his sufferings. Right, but you can't have resurrection without death. You can't have a plant grow without the seed being destroyed. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a principle there, too, that you yeah. can't experience the power of the resurrection until you've suffered the, yeah. the pain, as modeled by the life of Jesus. And the other comfort I think of, too, is that as Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, when you're brought before the authorities, the magistrates or whatever, when you're being challenged and you don't know what to say, then the Holy Spirit will be with you. Yeah. And so we do yeah. find that in the midst of the hard, difficult trials that we go through, when we've really come to the end of what we are capable of, that's when God's closest to us. When we need him most, he's right there with us. Yeah. So did you guys catch that? The good news is death comes first. <laughs> death Yay! comes first. High fives. If you guys can see, there's high fives all around the office right now. But death comes first. But I think that death is to ourselves. Yes. We Death to my own ambition. Death to my own self. Because I want Jesus in my life more than anything right. else. Right. And if I'm going to truly follow him, then I have to pick up. I have to deny myself. And pick up my cross, which I believe that that cross he's speaking of is whatever he's called us to do. Right. Our, yeah, I think that our, too. Our, our purpose. Our, our purpose in life is picking up our cross and follow him. And I, I love that you brought that up. The death is going to come first. Yeah. So, you know, if you're listening to this today and you're wondering, am I under spiritual attack? The stuff that's going on right now, like Cell phones going off in the middle of podcasts and stuff. Was that God or was that the devil? Hey, let us know. But if you're experiencing something and there's something going on in your life, just take a minute to go before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to show you if there's anything in you that he wants to bring to your attention. Mm-hmm. And if he does, he'll show you very quickly and succinctly what it is so that you can make the choice, Lord, I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to submit that area of my life to you or whatever it is, and then ask God to show you the way out. Ask him to give you a strategy which will come against the strategy of the enemy to kill, steal, and destroy from you, your family, your business, something in your life, your ministry, and then you will have the actual strategy of God, the kingdom strategy of God, uh, to counteract the strategy of the enemy that is coming against you. Mm-hmm. And, and just take a minute and do that, and he'll do it. He'll show you. And you can change things right now, today. Yeah, that's well said, James. Very important. And if you want that life in Jesus Christ, you have to be willing to die to yourself. You have to be willing to go through that suffering. And rather than be killed, you know, we lay down our life willingly yeah. in order to... Yeah. To experience his life. Fasting. I had uh, somebody ask me about fasting this week. And just, I had a couple questions on, on, well, first off, do you think fasting is effective? And I mean the fasting that, you know, 
we all know, fat, you know, choosing something, not necessarily food. I know a lot of people identify fasting with not eating for a period of time and seeking the Lord. And you can kind of go into spiritual warfare. I think fasting would be a, a, a good thing to do. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, some people think that it's giving up food, but it could be giving up anything, as we all know. But um, do you think fasting is effective uh, in today's culture? I think fasting is desperately needed in today's culture because the, the purpose of fasting is to deny, deny yourself, to deny your, your impulses, to deny your, even your needs, your physical needs like food. You know, fasting of food is a very important thing to do because you're making a spiritual stand that, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word um, mm-hmm. from the mouth of the father. You know, we, it's making a choice to deny ourselves and it's temporary obviously because we can't survive long without food but in that sense we are depriving ourselves of something that is vitally important to us in order to turn our minds to prayer in order to turn our minds to God and and the bible connects prayer and fasting if you want effective prayer you can couple it with fasting and it and it provides um a spiritual foundation for what you're you're praying for, and Jesus clearly taught us to fast. Um, he assumed that people would fast. He didn't say you must fast. He said when you fast. He assumed that people were fasting and that they were their prayer life had a, a fasting uh, element to it. And one of the biggest um, uh, battles that we face in America is indulgence, indulgence in ourselves and in our needs and our wants, um, and all of those things work against the spirit of God moving in our, um, and so I think that uh, to rediscover fasting as a, as a, as an art form, as a discipline of our spiritual lives is very important. It goes along with that, uh, deny yourself, pick up your cross mm-hmm. and follow me. That's denying yourself. Your, your question reminds me of, uh, Isaiah, where it's talking about uh, in Isaiah 58, it's talking about fasting. And it says uh, in Isaiah 58, beginning of verse 6, it says, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? And then he has a list of things. To loosen the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, and to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke. So it, there is some like spiritual warfare language there. you know. Mm-hmm. And I, think it, I think it's a topic... That I think it was a curveball. I think it's I think it's the Holy Spirit leading you to bring that up because I think that there is something here that maybe the Holy Spirit wants to bring out in our talk today. And I think it's interesting. He talks about that, so he talks about kind of the spiritual warfare aspect of it. But then he goes on to say, "Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood?" So I also see there's also, like one of the things that Matt's been talking a lot about in, in working through the book of Colossians is we have to have actions that correspond with our words and our beliefs. Right. Uh, it's not enough just to believe something or to talk about something. It needs to be corresponding action. So I'm seeing that there is this spiritual warfare concept uh, uh, facet, but there's also the other facet of actually doing something to help somebody right. else. And then comes in these verses kind of the promise of God. It says, then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. 
And I don't know about you, but I I need the Lord covering cover my rear, okay? He says, <laughs> that's right. Got to interject a little humor in this podcast. And then he says in verse 9, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. Yeah. 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 And as you read that, I, I connected something too, that fasting shouldn't just be about not eating yourself, but then that food that you don't eat, sharing it with somebody else yeah. or not wearing your cloak, but giving it to somebody else. That's an interesting, yeah. interesting dynamic that I yeah. haven't really picked up on before that what you deny yourself could be what somebody else needs. Yeah. And you know, the biggest problem that I see in the church today, I include myself in that is whenever we talk about fasting or we do a teaching on fasting or we call the church to a fast, or, you know, it becomes this big program. And one of the things that Jesus, knowing well the words of Isaiah, and there's a lot of Old Testament verses on fasting, Jesus kind of laid into the religious of the day. In fact, that was really the only people he ever really took the task. He took the task like the religious. And one of the things that he pointed out and made very, very clear when it comes to fasting is if you let anybody know that you're fasting, then that is your reward. He makes it very clear that it just absolutely nullifies any kind, any uh, benefit to fasting if it's done not in secret. Because he was he was he was pointing out that these people were saying, "Oh, I'm fasting," and they were they were you know putting on sackcloth and ashes, and they were, they were, "Oh, I'm so hungry, I'm fasting," you know, and, and and it's that idea of the minute we let somebody else know about it, boom, yeah, that pat on the back, that, that we get, yeah, we wanted that reward. Oh my gosh, they're fasting. That's awesome. And God says, "Well, that's your reward right there. If that's what if." Because you obviously shared it for that reason. Then right. that's, that's your hard. That's, that's, it is hard. Same warning was given to, to giving to others yes, too. Exactly. Yeah, if you if they if you get all the accolades yeah. because of how generous you were, then you received yeah. you received your reward for sharing yeah. with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. What about the fasting, loosening the, loosening the chains of the oppressed, too? That's a... That's and healing breaking for it. Yeah. Yeah? That's what in Isaiah 58 it said. Yeah. The fast that God desires is the one that loosens the chains of the oppressed. And I think of, think of hunger strikes. Mm-hmm. I know that that's one way that that could yeah. be interpreted, but I like that. Yeah. I kind of connected fasting with... I was telling you earlier that the, the the biggest God moments of my life were in hard times, and that's where God, you know, I remember God the most. I kind of attribute fasting to the same thing. It bring it's it's almost as a manual way of plugging or you know putting yourself in a hard time, and it's further proof to me that that is where God can can not exist, but that that God works in those hard times. And is there any? truth behind that i'm not i'm saying that from experience not from you know biblical reading you know um, well, you know it's truth because you just shared that you've seen that right yeah so that's truth yeah you know i, I mean, mean it's true for me but could that be true for somebody else absolutely absolutely but you know fasting is it's hard it's not easy no matter what and it's meant to be hard you should fast from something whether it's food tv or 
working out or whatever, whatever you I'm passing, I'm passing for working, working out. out. But some people could justify sure, sure, that. Sure, yeah. It, it could they be were, anything. It they spent matter. all their time, and it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. But it could be. It could happen. Somebody else. Why aren't you working out, John? <laughs> Fast I can't tell you. <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> Bad example, but it it kind of puts you in whatever you fast is is should be something that you're going to miss, something in your life that you don't want to fast from, and that puts you in a hard spot. Which in that hard spot, I think is where God works when you deny your right to something or something you're comfortable, you know, and that could. That could, in turn, play in just being comfortable in life. And that probably has a lot to do with why America is is struggling spiritually. America could be struggling because we are so comfortable. And I don't find in my life, if I was to write a a book down today, in my life, when, when I'm comfortable, is people tend to think they don't need God. Or when I'm comfortable, I could tend to not think that I need God in my past. So I think that fasting has a lot to do or just really works hand in hand with that in not making us comfortable. And when we're not comfortable, we don't need God. Or we need God. When we are comfortable, we don't need God. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think you brought up fasting because we'd overlooked in the question of what do you do about spiritual warfare you pray and you have to repent but jesus even mm-hmm. mentioned when his disciples couldn't cast out yeah. certain spirits yeah. they said well these will only come out by prayer and fasting yeah. it's a necessary dimension to what's going right. on but like but like you're saying when you when you're faced with hard times one of the best things you could do would be to pray and to fast and that fast could be to deny yourselves luxury just as when you have financial problems. Your two responses are either where can I cut or where can I earn some more money? Yeah. Well, the cutting is like the fasting. Yeah. You know, it's necessary to do both usually when you're facing a financial hardship. Where can I make cuts and how can I make a little bit more money? Well, maybe we need to pray and fast in the same way that when we're facing hardship, we, we do something positive and we, yeah. and we also deny ourselves. You're the power.